This episode is made possible by Mrs. Sandra Oyewole. She's a partner at Olajide Oyewole LLP and Mr. Ajibola Olomola, a partner at KPMG Nigeria. Hello and welcome to the SNC podcast, a show helping you better understand the intriguing world of music, arts, and entertainment through insightful discussions with African artists, creatives, executives, and entrepreneurs. I am your host, Fola Shade Anozie. This episode features a powerhouse media entertainment and business lawyer. Her name is Angela Anukam, and she is the legal manager at Rock Studios Limited and Canal Plu Advertising Nigeria Limited. Over the course of Angela's impressive career in the African broadcast media and content market, she has worked with various production and distribution partners locally, across Europe, the Middle East and African markets, negotiating rights acquisition and overseeing legal services for film projects. Welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you, Shadi. Now, when I reached out to you, you had mentioned that you are not really a fan of podcasts. And I responded, but you finally agreed to come. Yes, because one of the podcast gods and the person of Shadi promised that she was going to make it the most wholesome experience. And I mean, we've chatted for about 15 minutes prior and I agree. What is the the challenge that you have with podcasts? What is it about podcasts that make you kind of wary? Uh, I think maybe because... I come from a place where I like to be behind the scenes and I'm doing the work behind the scenes. And I think podcast is a bit too chatty, perhaps. That's how I look at it. And I said to myself, okay, am I really going to listen to myself, you know, go on and on and on over a podcast? But I think that it's, it's very interesting, the whole podcast. I'm still getting the hang of it, but maybe after this, who knows? I'll probably yeah. do many more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, why not? I've had a couple of people who have never been a fan of podcasts and yeah. literally this was their first introduction yeah. and they've gone on to do other things. So yes. I hope so. I mean, I hope so. I, because yeah. more importantly is who you are as a person. You've definitely made me feel as warm, Aww. you know, welcome. I mean, yes, you've been very welcoming and then you've opened me up. So yes, I'm, I'm enjoying the experience already. I'm glad. Don't take this personally. When you reached out to me over the course of a couple of days, I was yes. like, oh, I thought I was type A. Angela is definitely type A. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no I like, way. No, I was like, wow, I thought I was type A. In a good, it's good. It is good. Do you understand? I was like, well, wow, I never well. knew I could be this. <laughs> well. Shade, where is this? Where is this? Where is this? So, thank you for putting me on my toes. Yeah, I mean, I think what happens again is maybe it just comes from the lawyering of thing. Of course. Where you have to make sure that your docs are in the of room. Of course. So and I'm very, very... I'm an organizer. I like to have, you know, my itinerary planned in such a way that I'm saying, okay, Shadi, are we still doing this? What am I expecting? Can you send this? You said you're going to send this at this time. And it just speaks to, you know, how I also just run the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to be punctual. I like like to have things a certain way. So I hope I didn't put you off doing that. No, of course. I told you that, you know, my life has just been super hectic. So thank you for just putting me on my toes. But now we all have different reasons for becoming lawyers. Mm -hmm. What was your reason? What influenced your decision to become a lawyer? Ah, okay. So I'm going to tell a very funny story. Growing up, I really didn't have any influences as to, okay, this is why I want to become a lawyer. I think I made that decision um, in 
my junior secondary school, I think it was around my second year, the college SS2. Then I had this um, senior student who I looked up to. She was more like a mentor because, again, this was the days of the Unity schools where it was Federal Government Girls College. And she, I looked up to her so much because she was very brilliant. She was outgoing. And I remember we were having, I mean, this was me. I think it was about 11, 10. <laughs> we were having the conversation. And she said, oh, you know, she was in SS2. And she was going on to SS3 and then subsequently, of course, to the university. And I just asked her, okay, so what are you planning to be? She said, oh, she's, she's training to be a lawyer. I said, really? Okay, I'd like to be a lawyer too. And that was it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think it was that moment I knew I was going to be a lawyer. But I really didn't know, you know, what my focus was going to be. I just knew, okay, first off, be a lawyer. And then second off, figure it out along the way. And that's what my journey has been. Have you run into that person anytime? Yes. Yes, I ran into her in, um, I think that was in 2020. Yes, I remember running into her at an event that was pre-COVID. And I saw her and I was so happy. Yeah. The happiness was, I made it, I'm a lawyer. And guess what, she's not a lawyer. Uh, you know, I, I, I just said, like, I want to hear the end of this. I'm sure she's no, not going to No, she's not a lawyer. And then I'm the one who is, yeah. you know, I'm a lawyer, I'm pushing this, and this is now my focus, this is what I'm doing. But it was interesting to have someone to look up to in that context. Yeah. And, um, yeah, eventually just begin my journey from somewhere. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Now, you interned at two law firms before you went yes. in-house. Yeah. What was it about the law firm experience that made you say, it's been real, <laughs> peace out, I'm, oh. going to in, I'm going in-house. My dear, my journey, very interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. Um, I think before I get to that question, I think it would be nice to provide some context. So I remember finishing... I went to Madonna University, private university in Anambra State. I graduated in 2011. And of course, the idea was naturally to progress to law firm. Um, unfortunately, I mean, we had a backlog of, you know, students who couldn't get into law school and I was just affected. So in that time, I took up the internship at a law firm. It was a law firm where, I mean, this is going to shock a lot of people, but that was my very first, you know, job experience. And it was the very first time I got paid some amount of money at the end of a month. And guess what? I was paid 5,000 naira. Yes. I mean, it, it just speaks, yes, it just speaks to what I wanted to do. I didn't even mind because I saw that as, okay, yeah, let it just be a reward for labor. Do you understand? But it wasn't going to do anything. 5,000 euros was barely going to take me from point A to point yeah. B at that time. But I was happy to do it because I really wanted to have that experience. I think a part of me knew I was not going to pursue the law firm thing for a very long time. So coming out of uni, I started that law firm in October. Uh, I was there until March. So give or take five months. Um, it was NYSC. And um, believe it or not, I taught a secondary school. <laughs> yeah, I taught in a secondary school class. What was that experience like? Sorry. Oh, very, again, interesting. When I, when I, when I speak about my journey, my journey has taken me through. <laughs> it's been different routes. Yeah. You know, it's been up, down, highs, lows. But essentially, I always knew that I needed to do something and I needed to, you know, eventually find focus. And... Um, yeah, I mean, came out from there, NYC, one year, came back. I said, okay, I was ready to go to law school. And of course, I still had six months to go. So I said, okay, instead of just laying about, get another job. And yes, I got into um, the law firm of Olajide Yowale, now DLA Piper Africa. Mm -hmm. I was there for six months. And that experience was very wholesome. And to be fair, Shadi, that was all the experience I needed in the law firm. Mm. <laughs> I was certain that I was going to come back, but 
that law firm sort of um, cemented what my focus was going to be as a lawyer. You know, I knew that litigation did not interest me so much. Going to court was just too boring. Corporate commercial, fantastic. You make a lot of money, but was it really interesting to me? Nah. Um, oil and gas. I mean, oil and gas was all the rave. Everybody wanted to be an oil and gas lawyer. And this was me just setting my own way to say, I want to be an IP lawyer. I didn't even know the trajectory that Nigeria was going to. I just knew that IP as, you know, an area of law was something that was going to take off. And when it takes off, it's not going to stop. Because Did you get that exposure at Olajide? Yes. Okay. yes. Um, I think, like I said, it, Olajide was the solidifying moment. But Got prior it. to that, I started to develop interest in IP law in my final year. Okay. That was, yeah, that was my fifth year at university. Now going to Olajide Yowale and really seeing it play out. I remember working with um, Mrs. Oyewale and her team, and you know they handled you know the estate of Fela, mm-hmm. and just being there, I just said, okay, this is it for me. I don't want to do litigation. And then another thing I think is also important to say this: I knew I wanted to be a lawyer, but being a lawyer was hard work. Mm. <laughs> At some point, I was going to drop out and move to Mascom. I wanted to switch courses and say, okay, I'm going to mass communication is the easiest thing to do. But I thought about it. I said, okay. You definitely love the arts, and you love being a lawyer. So how about you marry both of them? And I think, really, that was the birth of my love. And then final year in school, you know, moving to DLA Piper Africa, and then eventually getting called to the Nigerian bar. And then the first job I take up is as a um, personal assistant. Why didn't you, you go back <coughs> to, to DLA Piper? Um, uh, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a very good question, and <laughs> the natural question to follow. I was going to go back in. I remember just after my law school results were out, I reached out to the human resources partner at the time and I mentioned or rather indicated my interest to go back and say, okay, see, I I know you guys, you're like family to me and I'd really love to come back and continue from where I stopped, (laughs) you know, even if it was one full year, but I'm happy to come back. And I mean, she texted and, okay, congratulations. Of course, we're happy to have you. So after your call to bar, come in for a chat. Call to bar, I go back to Lagos, so excited. You know, she sets up a meeting. And then she tells me, okay, we have to, you have to do some tests. I'm saying, okay. I mean, not bad. I thought I was going to get a free pass because I had intent there. Mm, so I had shown capacity. Work. So I, I think there was the assumption I was just going to go in. So when they said, oh, you're going to have an exam, I mean, why not? And when a law firm is that, I mean, they have a standard. You have to respect that. So, yeah, I went in for the, went in for the test, you know, met with um, some of the partners. And um, they now automatically told me that I was likely going to be drafted into the litigation department. <laughs> Oh, Shadi. Angela's an error, <laughs> error. Shadi, that felt. Oh, I think I was got wrenching. But I was anxious because you know when you come out of school, the job market is not friendly. All you want to do is get a job that pays. So, even knowing I didn't want to do litigation, I was happy to take it up. And then I wrote the. I remember it was December. I wrote the test, and I really was looking forward to feedback in two to three weeks, which is standard. I mean, in that space of time. I couldn't sit around because also I'm a very restless person. I have so much restless energy. And if I'm not putting my energy to use, I just feel, you know, off. Then I started to job hunt and I got, um, I got a job. And I was very specifically looking for roles within media houses. 
um the year was 20 yeah the year was 2015 we didn't have a lot of i mean there were the media houses but they were not um they were not as i think i would say i would use the word developed you know they probably knew i mean the business was just coming up in nigeria and people were just starting to take interest at that time and then i got this job at um optima media group now, Optima Media Group is, um, they are the franchise holders of um, the Nigerian Idol. I got the job as personal assistant to the director of corporate services. And I wanted to use the opportunity to just really go in and then essentially see what the work was going to look like and just see how to, you know, of course, apply myself, not just as a personal assistant, but as a lawyer. And I remember cozying up to the lawyer. It was even, they had just one lawyer. So, of course, I was happy to, you know, understudy and say, oh, I'm available. I will apply myself. I need to lend the business. And that was it for me. And let me tell you the twist that happened. I went for, I went for Ebony Life interview in June. And the next day I was getting the offer from Mo because I was now going to be her executive assistant. But my legal background was, you know, key for her. The day I was getting the offer from Ebony Life was the same day the law, the law firm called me. Wow. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> so I would never even have, I mean, I would never even have predicted that. Yeah. So, I mean, they called me and I was torn. Choices. Yeah. I was just a few months ago, I was looking for a job. Exactly. And then I have two offers. And I remember the HR telling me that, okay, we are ready to have you come in to work with us, but you're going to be, of course, drafted into the litigation department. This is going to be your reporting line. You're going to be reporting to this partner. I said, this is very interesting. I said, okay, being a lawyer, being an executive assistant, law firm with no path to IP, and then media. Of course, I chose the media. <laughs> of course. I remember that my dad was... Of course, you know your parents, they've invested in you. My father was, my father could not understand me. He kept asking me what is going on. But before, of course, before I made that decision, I reached out to two of my friends. Of course, my older colleagues in the, in the practice. Um, I remember speaking to them because, you know, sometimes before you take certain decisions, especially regarding your career, you need to really understand where it is you see yourself where you think you're going to be in, say, five years down the line, 10 years down the line. And for a fact, I knew that that law firm was going to be a tie down for me in the sense that if I picked up the role in litigation, I would not be able to make the transition to IP. I mean, it's not that easy to do that. So, and I was asking myself, would I be frustrated in this role? How is this going to really help me get to being the media lawyer I always thought I was going to be? So when I spoke to, you know, two of my older colleagues and just, you know, there was a brainstorming and they just said, you know what, you have to make the decision. Nobody's going to make it for you. Just think of where your life is going to be in five years and decide. And that's what I did. Wow. Yeah, I decided and I went with Ebony Life wow. Media. Yeah. And I would say that that was really where my journey started. Uh, yeah. Yes, because from Ebony Life Media, of course, I moved to Sound City mm-hmm. and now I'm here. Yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing that insightful story. I think yeah. it just really highlights the importance of, like you said, one t- at one moment you're looking for an opportunity oh, yes. and then you now have double the opportunity yes. and you now have to make a decision that 
you feel is best for the path or the career that you want to chart, you know? Yes. So again, yes. thank you so much for sharing that. Now, you've been in the broadcast media and content market for over eight years. Yes. And I want to ask, as a female lawyer, what are some things that you're shocked? <laughs> like maybe two or three things, maybe two. Ah. That you're shocked that you're still having to deal with deal or with. address. Mm. And this is 2023. 2023. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. I think that currently... It's, it's a more liberal space compared to what it used to be like maybe four or five years ago. So I think one of the challenges I really had to deal with was some of those, you know, condescending attitudes I got in the beginning where everybody's looking at me and saying, hmm, obviously she didn't get this job on her merit. She, yes, yes, I got that. And you know, again, when you're quote-unquote light-skinned, <laughs> I, I mean, at some point, I had to go to God. I said, God, is it a crime to be light-skinned? To be light-skinned? And then, oh, yes, you, she's an attractive female. There's no way she got this job on her own marriage. She had to have put out for one or two persons. And you know, that perception was something that troubled me so much. I made up my mind that come hell or high water, the only thing I want to be to be able to defend is my position and the fact that I merited my position and I'm meant to be here and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. And with that in mind, I've just, you know, forged through and even when, you know, these guys come, I'm like, okay, what do you have to say? Seen it, been there, done that. Can we move on? You know, I but, love that. <laughs> yes, been there, done that. Can we move on? Oh, yes. See, don't worry. You can take it to the bank. I like to think that I want to leave a legacy that speaks to consistency and such that if you go back in line or go back, sorry, go back in time to my story and my journey, you can pick one or two persons that will tell you, oh, Angela, oh no, she's the most consistent, the most brilliant. And it's not a narrative of, oh, she had to put out to get there, but she's actually working her way. And I think that's the legacy I want to have. The, I want my story to be that one of owning space, staying consistent in your journey, in your hustle, whatever it is, but knowing that at the end of the day, you're doing it for you, yourself, and yourself alone. Yeah, that's amazing. And and it's amazing because I think there's so many gems there, particularly for women. Yes. That... Society makes us feel like we should always shrink ourselves. Okay. We shouldn't take up too much. I don't want to be too noticed. Yes. Right? Even for me, like there's certain things that my former boss would say, Shade, this is you, shake it up, you know? <laughs> so I really love that, you know, you just really highlighted the importance of mm. owning your space. Don't let anybody tell you that you're doing too much, you're being too loud, yeah. you know? And I mean, just to, you know, add to what you've said, mm-hmm. you're in an industry that is loud. So you cannot afford to you cannot afford to shrink. Yeah. Because you're dealing with people across different spheres. You don't even know where these people are coming from. You know, you're dealing with the people in the business, you're dealing with external stakeholders, you're dealing with clients, you're dealing with partners. So if you really don't own it, then I bet you your transactions are going to be worth zero yeah because again bottom line is profit and revenue as a business and of course this is me now speaking from an in-house perspective because going in-house definitely opens you up to what business is like and the fact that if you do not own space you will definitely not be an asset to your business yeah now as a legal manager at canal plu yeah which is obviously rock studios limited and canal plu advertising nigeria limited yeah what would you say is the most challenging aspect of your work because you're dealing with legal agreements financing agreements so many different things so before i answer that question i probably have to dissect 
you know, what my day-to-day might be like mm-hmm. and just some of the challenges. And um, of course, first of my role is an in-house counsel, right? Business affairs, legal manager, fantastic. I came across this phrase that says being a legal manager or being an in-house counsel is like being a jack of all trades. <laughs> because essentially you're a jack of all trades yeah. to the business. So when, I mean, now, you know, going back to the question you've asked me about what are the challenges I would experience, the truth is just the challenges come when you don't even expect them. It's not, okay, I'm expecting this challenge, right? So some of the things that would even happen are things that would be out of the box. So for instance, let me even leave the transactional side of business, the, the, let's say working on the business function units, for instance, you know, finance, HR, IT, and then someone just calls me and says, oh, so we have a problem. We are sent, we are, we are delivered a product to somewhere in Ghana and we can't get it. We need you to get involved. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, okay, how exactly, what am I supposed, you know? So there are just some of these questions because the first thing you're thinking of is how do you, where do you even start from? Because if it's content drafting, I already have my templates. All I need to do is make my edits. If it's, oh, you have to, we have, we have this financing agreement because what we do essentially is we do, why well, studio, rock studios, right? So we do a lot of um, movie financing, film financing projects. We commission a lot of producers. So in any given year, our outputs, so maybe I can break, I can explain oh, what output yeah, means. Yeah. So when you have an output deal, it just means the number of movies you're, you're supposed to have commissioned or financed in any given year. And it can be across different genres, you know, whether it's epic, whether it's drama, whether it's, uh, you know, thriller, whatever it is, yes, comedy. So we, we have all those, we have all those deals, you know, coming through. So in any given year, output deal can be like maybe 200, it can be more. It really depends on what we're doing. Um, of course, we now have the different other elements of the business that has to do with acquisition, which is buying movies, and then distribution, which is now distributing our own catalog. So, you know, in all of these elements, there are different challenges that come up. So let me give an instance now. Someone reaches out to us and is trying to commission us to... Oh, sorry, rather, trying to commission us for an animation project because I would also point out that we have an animation team internally yes and just when i thought okay i've seen some of the clauses i I can see in my life and then there are some clauses that present themselves where we have to sit down and debate territories and not just territories we are debating um sorry dispute resolution terms like governing laws so i'm a french company this is an american company and they're insisting that it must be american arbitration rules that govern and i know that american arbitration rules would not be as flexible especially for external entities you understand foreign entities and in that situation which presents a challenge of course i have to now make an effort to sit down with the other council because it cannot be emails flying back and forth all the time it should be conversations for you to understand where i'm coming from as a business and i mean what i would now propose in that situation is to say you know what this is a challenge for both of us you would not accept my own terms of, okay, it has to be French laws. I cannot accept your own terms of American laws. How about we go somewhere in the middle? And the compromise is good for businesses. And I mean, if I'm now suggesting, I would say, okay, let's go with, say, a London Court of International Arbitration, which is just in the middle, and we can meet somewhere. And 
you know, what you want to do when you have these challenges is ensure that you can get past them quickly enough to continue to run your business. Now, you also deal with talent agreements, right? Oh, yes. Now, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, from a deal-making perspective yes. and taking into consideration how the TV and film business is changing, mm. what would you advise talents to, to be looking out or to start looking out, maybe if yeah. they haven't, in their agreements? Mm. Particularly when it comes to, like, you do content rights acquisition. Okay, maybe not content rights in that con- in that in the context of talent agreements, mm. but let me just stick with talent agreements. What should talent be looking for when someone approaches them and says, "We want to work with you or we want to give you this contract?" Yeah. What should they be paying attention to? As a talent, the first thing you want to understand is the project you're getting into. Number one, the scope of it, because first of all, of course, you have your agents reaching out to you to say, "Oh." There's an opening for social and so role and we think you might be a good fit. We're trying to get you in. So first of all is to understand what the project is, the scope of the project, and then just also understand who the parties to the project might be because, again, that might influence you in making decisions regarding your pay because some people are just desperate enough to want to take up roles and they don't really ask these questions. So as, um, as an actor, again, you also want to know if it's a project that resonates with you because some people really don't like to take up certain projects and they would not say so until you've now, you know, cast them for that role and they come up with. So you want to be able to identify that it's a role that you can, you know, you probably want to try out for. Number two, you want to understand the reach. When I say the reach, again, it's all, it's more transactional where you're a talent and you're bringing something to the table and of course you're getting monetary value as compensation so you you want to know okay so this movie that is being produced is this a cinema movie you want to understand the rights that would come with the movie because what i would usually advise people or talent is to be able to as much as possible monetize your talent. When I say monetize your talent, just don't accept, okay, we are going to pay you a one-off sum of X, Y, Z. You need to be able to understand how far is this movie going? What are the rights that would likely come with the movies, right? And in speaking about rights, of course, there are a lot of rights in um, film business. You're talking about cinematic rights. That's when the movie goes to the cinemas. You're talking about, you know, pay TV rights. When you have the movie now showcased on a pay TV platform, you have um, international distribution where it's on other platforms outside, maybe Nigeria, Africa, depending on what the deal terms are, the producer, directors, and all of them. So you want to, you want to be able to negotiate from a place of strength where I can say, okay, you know what? I want to take this X amount of money as pay. But in the event that the movie is distributed somewhere else, I want to be able to get maybe 5%, 10% of net profits, 10% of net receipts, whatever it is. But ensure that you're able to, you know, you're able to approach production, film production from a commercial perspective because then it makes you very bankable as an you know, as a, as a talent, as an actor, whatever you are. And really, my advice to talent normally is just ensure that you're dealing with, number one, you have your agent, number two, you have your lawyers, because it's really your lawyers that will sit down and, you know, sign the, the fine lines. You don't really have a lot of time to read that. So as, as someone going into, or rather as a talent, going into film production, just understand what you're selling. So for instance, if it's a film production, you probably say, okay, are there going to be sequels to this movie? Do you want to have first option, second? Do you understand what I mean? Some of those terms you should be aware of. If it's a series, 
you know, okay, after season one, do you want to be considered for the second role? And then, of course, you're also trying to say, okay, I'm going to negotiate ahead. So, for instance, you're being paid, say, 300000 naira per episode for the first season. By the second season, depending on how the first season, performs. you know, performs, you're able to, you know, negotiate from a place of strength to say, okay, I'd like to increase. But again, you can even do that before, if it's a TV series, you can negotiate all those terms up to a certain level. So, for instance, I'm saying, okay, I'm starting season one, and we're going up to maybe season six of a TV series. It's always advisable that at least you negotiate the first three seasons first, because you don't want to also sell yourself short. It might explode, and by then, you've really tied yourself in. So, you want to also be very, very mindful about some of those pitfalls. Yeah, and I think to your point about negotiating on the back end when it comes yes. to films, I think that that's a challenge that a lot of actors are facing. Yes. When you look at the whole situation with Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow, yes. how they, I think was it, I think it was whoever it was that released it in the on streaming before it was supposed to go, some story about I don't know if you heard about um, that. I'm, Scarlet, not, sure. I'm, I'm not sure I know the details of Just I know I saw it in passing. It was a story about I think it was between Scarlett Johansson and Disney. Ah, they okay. had released Black Widow and while it was still in theaters, they had released it on a streaming, on platform, a streaming platform. On the streaming oh, platform. Wow. So it was like a big issue. A big issue. Um because people are now a lot of actors are saying that the benefits you could get with traditional films, yes. you can't get that a lot with streaming. Yes. Because a lot of these platforms want to get all these rights. Oh yes. And it's it's much harder to use. So when you when when the film project is over, that's the end. So the only time you really have any negotiating power, and then I talk about I sorry I talk a lot about negotiation because it's very important for people to understand negotiating strategies. As a talent, you want to have someone who knows how to negotiate. See, as far as I will tell you from a lawyer's perspective, every movie that is being produced now, at some point in the future, will find its way on the streaming platform. And of course, our streaming platforms are the video on demands, VODs, and you know, subscription video on demands like the Netflixes, the Amazons, and just you know, and then of course the AVODs like the YouTubes. So you want to be able to foresee as talents, you really, you really might not think far ahead. So you need people that think far ahead. And with the evolving nature of entertainment business, we know these things will happen. So when I'm on the other side where I'm working with a talent, I tend to look out for these things because I don't want my talent. And of course, when my talent is making money, I'm making money as well. So of course, I want to make money for my talent mm-hmm. so that I can get some money. You know, So you need to be able to anticipate. And that's why they call you in there. Anticipate what are the likely issues that will come up. What are we not seeing? And if there's something in the clause that says this is exclusively for cinemas, then you can afford to say, oh, are you sure? I mean, why don't we do X, Y, Z? Maybe it's like part cinema, part streaming. And, you know, importantly, it's just to find ways to plug in and get the movie out there and at the same time get some revenue coming to the business and to the talent. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned about the importance of negotiation. It's one of the reasons why I actually went to law school because I I used to manage an artist in Nigeria and I just could could foresee that the artist was going to get bigger Yes. And you don't want to have cli- uh, you don't want to have a lo- a, a manager yes. that does not know what, what she's Absolutely. talking. Absolutely, you understand? Absolutely, because you can't get upset with the person that says, "Oh, it's been real, gotta go." You know, girl, <laughs> you need to empower yourself. And right? you know, in Nigeria, it's a very funny thing mm. because we don't really have the laws that tie you down to a contract. So that's, I mean, one minute somebody is feeling like, "Oh, I'm, I've arrived," but the truth is, you need a team. 
whatever business you're in, whether you're a woman business, whatever you are, if you have talent, if you have skill, if you just have God-given ability to produce something from scratch, then you're automatically a copyright holder and then automatically you can market this and, you know, you can sleep and wake up and you've become a superstar, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to say. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought up the Copyright Act, mm-hmm. which is, I wouldn't say it's new Copyright Act. It's, update. <laughs> <laughs> it's the updated oh, copyright. copyright. That's, that's very brutal to, that's <laughs> brutal to Nigeria. Why is it updated? That's brutal but to Nigeria. Wait, but it's new, new now. We have to accept it's new. <laughs> okay, fine. We have to give ourselves some hope. <laughs> let me rephrase. Okay, so let me let you rephrase. You know, that's a great point you brought up. <laughs> Let's talk about the new Copyright Act. Yes. I'm sure you've obviously gone through it. What are you most, I guess, excited about, happy about? And maybe you feel like there's, obviously, I feel like there's always room for improvement without a doubt, right? Mm -hmm. So if we talk about that, just briefly. Um, I mean, very, very briefly, because, of course, I was joking with you the first time around, it is updated. (laughs) (laughs) So what I did was just look for a breakdown of, okay, what are the new additions? We knew that it was not an entire overhaul. Some of the sections of the old acts were retained. And then this one is just, okay, let's introduce certain things that cater to businesses as they currently are. So I think what is most impressive with the Copyright Act, current, you know, Copyright Act of um, 2023 is just the inclusion of the online space. The prior act never really addressed online because, I mean, that was... 1988, 1992, 1999. And this all predated the explosion of the digital age. Now, the, what this new act has done is just updates the provisions to ensure that copyright in the digital space is more protected and then there are certain frameworks that they've just established per the act. I think one of them is just they've imposed more liabilities, right? So before, it used to be something of, okay, you can pay 10,000 or less or imprisonment for six months or less, but now the, the liabilities are way more. And I think it just will serve as a deterrent to anyone who wants to now infringe to know that, okay, it's no longer business as usual. You think, okay, I can pay 10,000 and get away with it. Now you'll probably be paying like 500,000 to 1 million naira. It will make you think twice before you know, become liable for copyright infringement. Another thing that the Act has done is basically put more responsibility on the internet service providers, the ISPs, right, to ensure that they also are responsible for taking down infringing materials on their sites. So if you notice what used to happen was you just see an infringing material. And unlike YouTube, you know YouTube is highly regulated. You cannot put anything on YouTube. They will flag it down because they have systems that are are implemented and work. Now, you go to a Nigerian site, you will see your content. <laughs> you will see your content, but there is, no, there is no space, there is no column for you to issue a takedown notice or even lodge a formal complaint. There is no provision for that. And even when you now track down the owners of the domain name, for instance, or the ISPs, They'll tell you, oh, I don't know, it's not me. I mean, we are just a website, whoever puts it is their business. Mm-hmm. But to now know that you can actually go after them. It's, I mean, you offer some comfort. Yes. So for us in the film industry, especially, all these issues of piracy where we tell the, we tell the website, oh, Oga, our movie is on your website. Can you assist us? And somebody is telling you, ah, it's not my business. Now it becomes your business. And if you decide not to do the right thing and take it down, I can now afford to take you to court or 
whatever other legal you know measures yes i can enforce but what is important is to know that i now have the backing of the copyright act Mm -hmm. i mean for me that's one of the most important elements of it and of course the whole thing about okay of course giving more power to the nigerian copyright commission you know administration enforcement fantastic so i think it's just to really sit back and see how you know implementation comes in and if i mean eventually enforcement of the rights because nigeria again (laughs) so it's see we want to have hope with where the sector is because there's been growth like measurable growth and progress so we have to have hope and faith that this copyright act is really going to ensure compliance and just ensure that people sit up and take notice of the fact that it's no longer business as usual and then hopefully the people who are also you know put in there to enforce these rules actually yeah carry through and the judiciary also takes note and you know yeah. We have case laws eventually that yeah. are more current and more in trend. Yeah. Even YouTube is struggling. You know, they still they, they still have content that it's hard for them to pay attention to. But to just have a complete hands off situation hands off. is yes. you know it's where no, it's hard to find yeah. Yeah, on YouTube. I mean, it might take some time because, like you said, YouTube. I mean, it's millions of content. Everybody's putting content. But the thing again is, most businesses have an internal content protection team mm-hmm. that essentially responsible for flagging content on YouTube. So those are the people you actually need to have on your team because, yes, YouTube can take some time to get back, but they eventually do. However, if you want a um, quicker turnaround in terms of, oh, I've lodged a complaint, I need this, you, you have a team that actually is on ground to monitor this. So at Canal Plus, for instance, we have the guys, content protection team, and the only thing they do is basically look out for the content. It's a large team. Because content is our business. Mm. And we are just not in Nigeria, of course. We are in about two... Yeah, this is... Nigeria is the first um, Anglophone yeah, business. And then there's Ghana. Then, of course, you have about five to six other French-speaking countries, Ivory Coast, Senegal, and the likes. And, of course, you have the entire European market. So it's essential for the business to have a team internally. Yeah, that's really great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Now, as we begin to wrap it up, you had mentioned about hope about having hope, right? (laughs) Where do you see the African broadcast media and content market in the next couple of years? Maybe, I don't know if you want to address it from a regulatory perspective since, you know... I like these questions. (laughs) I did my homework. No, you did, you did. I'm I'm very excited, you did, because if the questions were not giving me life... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Shadi was going on, but yeah, yeah, interesting question. And I think it's um, that the answer to that would be too prompt when I say, okay, where do we say it to... Um, so maybe speaking from a regular, sorry, like regular, <laughs> oh, oh Lord, no, there's oh some, Lord. There's some <laughs> words that I cannot, you know, there's sorry. some words that I struggle with. It's yes. fine, it's fine. Oh regulatory, God. don't yes, worry. Yes, yeah. regulatory, mm-hmm. you know, perspective. Yeah. I would say that um, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough route. And I say that because I know how many years it's taking to even implement what is now the Copyright Act of 2023. And the honest truth is it doesn't even address up to 75% of what the market is from a global perspective. So if you're looking at what the global market is and the fact that we are, or Nigeria now has entertainment as a main export. So my, my hope really is that our leaders start to, you know, they sit up and start to take notice 
And in addition to the Copyright Act, we can have, you know, maybe some other secondary, because of course the Copyright Act is the primary legislation. We have other secondary legislation that addresses like different aspects of the entertainment business. Because yes, copyright affects all aspects, but there are also different aspects. Like for instance, you have the trademark, for instance. The focus is copyright. How about the trademark laws? Do you understand what I mean? How about patents? What are we doing? How are we addressing this? So I, I really believe that there should be secondary legislation to back up what is already the primary legislation in driving some level of legislative or legislation that caters to the creative sector and ensures, sorry, ensures compliance for businesses. Um, again, that is me expressing hope. And I foresee it will happen, but looking at how it's taking us to get here, I'm hoping that we coming up, maybe we would also do our bit to ensure we get there. Then from the business perspective of where I see, the question was the creative sector. Yeah, the broadcast yeah, media, the broadcast content, media market. content market. Mm-hmm. Explosive. <laughs> that's, no, that's the word I would use for it, explosive. And explosive in the sense that where we are now, I saw it coming. My entire journey to getting here was I knew this was going to happen. Because when I was starting up, I mean... I remember just listening to the likes of um, DJ Jimmy Jad, Sound Sultan, Two-Face DBA. And the one thing that stood out to me was, like it or not, people listen to music. People watch televisions. People like to go to the cinemas. These are things that would never go out of fashion. So this is definitely a space to be in. And just seeing where we were in 2005 and seeing where we are 18 years later is a testament to the fact that we are just getting started. And I reckon that in another 10 years, give or take, it's going to be double what we have. Because I mean, currently, the creative sector is uh, highest, has the highest GDP and providing revenue for Nigeria, right? It, just like I mentioned before as well, we're exporting so much of our creative sector. There's so much export going on. I mean, Bonaboy, Thames, Davido, yes. you'd literally go to an airport and you can dance. So that's why I said it's, some people don't even see it. That's, I think for me too, I don't even understand why people don't see it. But yes, explosive is the word I would use for it. And well, maybe in 10 years, we would revisit this conversation and see if my predictions. No, okay. <laughs> I, 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 no, it, it's only like the writing is on the wall yes. or has been on the wall for quite yes. a long time. It's yes. just now taking shape, you yes. know? So yes. people that have that long-term vision, it yes. seems like, you know... They can see it. Exactly. And they're ready to just key into exactly. it. Exactly. And I think, I think it's also important because um, what has also happened is that with the development in, or rather, we, where we are now in the creative sector, you now have that there are now a lot of professionals also now taking interest. So, I mean, in my time, it used to be IP law. But now it's media entertainment law. It's oh, entertainment business. You now find that a lot of young people just want to now be invested in this space because it is the future. Mm-hmm. It's the future currency of where we're going. And I'm thankful to have seen it and had the vision. And also importantly, align myself to, you know, a few of my colleagues who are more or less like seniors to me. I basically have a mentor who is also, uh, she's one of the IP leaders in Nigeria, mm-hmm. Mrs. Uwa Uhiku. Oh, yeah, cool. she used to be the, but she still even is a partner at Jackson Itiani Du. Okay, okay. Yes, okay. yes. Oh, she's a, she's a foreigner in IP law. I remember when I started out, she was one of the people I looked up to. 
and I followed her everywhere. I followed every single thing she was doing. And I mean, I'm happy to say we have that relationship yeah. now. She's like my second mom. Yeah. You know, so it's um it's good to see people take interest. And I mean, I'm hoping that our institutions catch up. You know, when I say institutions, uh, schools catch up and start to offer some curriculum that is focused ultimately on mm-hmm. the creative space and media and entertainment business. Yeah. Very necessary. And I hope yeah. that everything that you said comes to fruition and evolves, yes. you know. Yes, yes. It because if, time. if we don't have a framework, it, it will collapse. Yes, it's like a house that if you don't have a structure, it's going to collapse. I remember when we started off, it was me and the likes of Fuza. Of course, everybody knows Fuza. <laughs> you know, it's me and the likes of Fuza. I remember we used to pursue Koson then. Mm. Koson used to be <laughs> Collective Society yes. of Nigeria. Yeah. yeah, one of the foremost um, collective management organizations in Nigeria. I remember we used to go to the... I mean, we went to the office once to have like a roundtable forum. Shadi, you're laughing. <laughs> I know you're looking to say, see, my dear, the journey has been... <laughs> well, how, how has that process... Have, has, have the stories changed from when you and Fools are used to go? <laughs> unfortunately not. Wow. Yeah, sad. You know, unfortunately not. And um, it's just become a dog-eats-dog mm. dog situation if i put it that way because it's cousin on the one hand and then it's mcsn musical i think it's yeah musical copyright society of nigeria Nigeria, who are now claiming to be the sole you know collective Mm -hmm. management organization licensed by you know a court ruling Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then there's that consistent power tussle and it really doesn't help the creative especially the music side of the business and i mean maybe i'm thankful that in my own way while i'm still in nigeria working here my approach would always be from a global perspective because I work with a company that would rather just have you in line with what global perspective is. And the objective is that you now implement those object. I mean, sorry, those um, principles, mm-hmm. yes, into your business in Nigeria. I mean, we'll continue to do our bit and yeah. hope we can. Well, thank you for all the excellent work that you have been doing and look forward to many more excellent things you're going to be doing in the future. Yeah. Now, for lawyers who are maybe they are younger or they're mm. currently in the they're current lawyers at, at this point in their lives yeah. who are looking to make a career in the mm. TV and film business. Yes. What are two, maybe one or two tips that you would share with them in order to take their careers to the next level, next level. or maybe even get a foot in the door? Um, okay, so I think the first thing I would offer in terms of um, making suggestions is to say, as a professional, you really cannot stop learning. We know that our academic institutions don't really offer, you know, specific courses that tailor to what the industry is, you know. So I want to be an entertainment lawyer, but you really don't have a course in school that is called entertainment law. You still have it as intellectual property law, which is now very, very, very old fashioned. So the idea for me is to say while you're taking your standard courses, especially if you're still in university, try to find time to go online and do all the, you know, very short, affordable courses that center around the core business of entertainment, just so that you can learn what the laws are outside of Nigeria. Because again, you have to understand that most of your partners would not even be in Nigeria, right? Nigeria will catch up, we are, we are catching up, but until then, you need, to, you need to learn, you need to stay abreast of every single law. You need to know, okay, so I'm currently in school, but I can go to, say, a USC, um, see if they have any of those free courses that are sent around film business and learn. Most often than not, we just find that even we in the job just learn. Sometimes you, you learn as you go. 
you know, yes, you've maybe you've reached what is a zenith of your career and knowledge, but then there are situations that present themselves where you have to learn. So we're just, you know, we are learning, we are growing, and what we are doing is just ensuring that the people that come behind see the work we've put in and maybe bring, you know, their own perspective. But more importantly is that there is frame or there's a groundwork already laid and perhaps follow suit. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, people like you, Foza, all these people that have done amazing work, you've definitely built those blocks. Yes. And for people behind us to continue to build, yeah, on, to those build on those blocks. build on those blocks, yes. And then just, you know, take, because thank God for Gen Zs. Anyways, I mean, <laughs> we millennials will say thank God for the Gen Zs yeah. because they are future and they are hope mm-hmm. to carry on this touch that we've, we've, we've set. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm also happy to really say I, I have... You know, a lot of people trying to connect on LinkedIn and just, and to be honest too, I'm not really out there. I know that everybody's asking me, "Uh -uh, you're not really out there. What do you do? How do you do it? I don't even know you. I said, because I'm a very private person. (laughs) I am very private. I like to do work behind the scenes, but I also find that it's important to come out and talk about these things and then see that people are interested enough to learn. And I mean, eventually, I'm, I'm considering that I would have a mentorship type of thing because, again, if you're having people that mentor you, the idea is to pay it forward, forward and then get other people to come along the journey. And, yeah. and you are. You've just been here. And like I said, I hope that this is like your, your first, you know, yes. <laughs> and you go on to other things. <laughs> yes. All right. So we're going to go on to the fun random questions. Are you ready? Fingers crossed. Okay. <laughs> Y'all need to say you're ready, yo. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. Let me rephrase that. Ready. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So the first question is, if you had to choose one of the following words to describe yourself, which would you choose? Ambitious, optimistic, or confident? Just one word. Mm-hmm. Why not three of them? My dear. <laughs> you gotta choose one. <laughs> Why not all three? Okay, um, is, there, is there a way to merge all three of them into one word? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so you see the way my mind thinks? Yeah. Um, ambitious. Ambitious, okay. You know, I actually had that feeling that you were going to pick ambitious. I said, you know your type A, we just, we connected on that frequency. I was like, just gonna... <laughs> okay. I love it, ambitious. Because so, obviously, if you're ambitious, you got to be optimistic. Oh, yes. You also have to be confident, confident yes. you know, like, yes. because you're going you're gonna to always probably hear people tell you that your dreams are too big oh, and yes. you have to just have confidence oh, yes. in and no it's not even so i mean just before we move on mm-hmm. it's not even just about the people that tell you it's even you yeah, telling so, yourself yeah hashtag true. imposter syndrome true it happens yeah. and it happens when you're getting to different levels and the high up you get the the more these things happen so you have to consistently put yourself in that place where you say this is me yeah i'm owning my space i'm confident enough to pursue my dreams i can afford to be ambitious and at the same time be as down to earth as possible and yeah i love it life goes on i love it second question is your favorite tv show right now Hmm. let me see i don't actually don't watch a lot of tv uh i would go and say i mean if you had asked me this question maybe in the past in the past i say game of thrones automatically okay but now it's um house of dragons house of dragons okay that's good i haven't seen i've you know for game of i keep on saying this and everybody knows me game of thrones i've only gotten gotten past season one one episode i'm one. going to shoot you see i see i see game of thrones you what? can't you can't watch it and be cooking 
girl. You have to pay attention. Yes. So yeah, so that's I I just I'm, I think it's a fantastic show, but I just see I'm not going to I haven't even gotten to House of Dragons. I'm still on season one. <laughs> Okay. So I, I keep on saying I'm gonna try. Maybe when I go on vacation, whenever that is. That is not going to happen. <laughs> I know, that's not gonna happen. I know. It will not I know, happen. I know. This probably have to tie me down. All right, it's fine. So Game of um, House of Dragons, you said. Yes. Um, third question is, what was the last book you read? The last book I read was. Um, uh, I think <laughs> if I have to, if I have to laugh about this, the last book I read was when I was studying for a <laughs> course I did. That's fine. That's fine. It was on an online course in the years. Mm-hmm. I, I had I had like tons of studying to do. So that was the last book I mm-hmm. read and it was it was when I say it was volumes of books. Yes. Okay, so uh, okay, notice notice no noted rather. Fourth question is fill in the blank. If I have the chance to, I would like to spend a week with If I had the chance to go to Hollywood, I'd like to spend the week with Leonardo DiCaprio. Ah. Oh, yes. Okay, that's amazing. So, Leo. Yeah. Final, final question is your favorite superhero? I don't believe in superheroes. I'm sorry. I, I actually don't believe in superheroes. I believe in the heroes that are around us. Okay, so who are the? Okay, let's do that. Your <laughs> favorite, your favorite. Uh, yeah. okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> my, my heroes, of course, my parents. Okay. Being just, yes, my mom, my dad, you know, and then just my family because of how supportive they are mm-hmm. and just how they, you know, consistently lift me up those moments when I'm down to. I mean, those are my real life heroes. Those are, I mean, they yes. are superheroes, you know. And then, and of the course, the, the friends that are just there to help you and you know support you through your journey awesome those are my heroes that's great thank you closing words of wisdom before we wrap it up closing nuggets Mm -hmm. i think to just um conclude what has been a very interesting conversation i'm glad very interesting i would say that um the media business is a very dynamic one i would say that I'll be speaking to whoever or, you know, professionals that probably wanted to get in this space and then just to whoever is listening and needs to learn more. Or if you think, oh, I have a business, but I'm not sure how to go about it. I want to set up, say, a movie business. I want to do, I want to go into production and you don't know how to go about it. Feel free to reach out to lawyers. I mean, this is me now saying <laughs> I'm available. You know, I would probably share my email because i'm always happy to help entrepreneurs especially media entrepreneurs coming up in this space who really don't have a footing who don't understand what to do if you even have a business and you're maybe a small business owner you're just trying to figure it out just reach out and i mean i'm happy to assist and of course i'm also happy to take questions and um, offer further clarity if need be so i'll share my email what is it and then do you want to share it here or just no i'll share it with you privately and then maybe you can Maybe when you, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what about? Are you on social media? Um, social media. I well, searched high and low for you. No I couldn't way. find you. I did. Oh really? Yeah. I'm on IG. Are you serious? But I post once in a blue moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is your once in a blue moon handle? No, are you serious? Yeah. So about my. I'm very surprised, Shadi. Yeah, Don't I, tell I'm me that. I'm telling you. So my my IG handle is a a underscore anukam. Spelled A N U K A M. Okay. So I mean, slide into my DMs, ask me the questions, tough questions, corporate questions, entertainment questions, business questions generally. If you need help, of course, if I cannot offer help, I can always redirect you to. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where I'll leave it at. Okay, Angela. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank the you. The podcast gods. Mm. Uh, do, you, do you think that they will be happy with this conversation? In fact, Shadi, you have opened me up. Hey! <laughs> I love it, love it, love it, love it. So I'm, I'm very surprised that 
we even synced because i think if we did not sync yeah. we would not have this very engaging That's conversation true. so yeah. i'm really glad that you made it as seamless flexible yes i'm glad podcast gods <laughs> thank you thank you thank you so much definitely angela. doing this more i'm so glad to hear that thank you so much angela no thank you to angela anuka be sure to check her out on instagram at aa underscore anuka if you enjoyed this episode please take a few minutes to rate us on your preferred podcast platform it helps us get discovered by more people thank you so much in advance this episode is produced and edited by Fola Shade Anouzie. Executive producers for this episode are Sandra Oyewole and Ajibola Olomola. Theme song is by John Akinola. You can check out the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at T-H-E-S-N-C Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>